Mike cautiously lets go of Beth and stands back a couple steps, ready to catch her if she topples. Beth sways slightly from side to side. I'm above my feet, way above. I know, I, I can't. Can you take a step? How high me? How high up? Try to take a step, Beth. How high? Did they bury me in a tree? Try taking a step. You, you step. You want, you want me to take a step? You step. If I take a step, will you take one? You. All right. <laughs> What's so funny? You step, fan talk, you. You wanna try? No, you. I just took one, now it's your turn. I'm not a baby! I'm not! I know you're not, Beth. I just want you to try to take a step, that's all. No! Well, what are you gonna do, just stand there? Well, what are you gonna do, just stand there? Beth! Don't touch me! I'm just trying to help you out. Beth's head jerks up. She stares at the ceiling and stays. He killed us both. You're not dead, Beth. You're going to be all right. I'm dead! Dead! Ah! He's too! You, you gotta forget about him for now. You, you gotta just forget about him. No! You can't stop my head. Nobody, nobody stop my head. My head is me. He's in me. You can't stop him in me. Nobody can stop him in me. This guy tried to kill you. How can you still want a man who tried to kill you? What's the matter with you? He's the one who did this to you. He's my heart. Blackout. The moon stays green and full. The theater, the theater. Theater, theater. Hi guys. Hello. Hi guys. Hey. How are you doing? Are you? It's so we should tell the audience maybe we we know, <laughs> we've been doing this with Zoom since the beginning. We've had a couple of occasions, a few episodes that we've gotten to record live, but yeah. given the craziness of the uh pandemic, we've been zooming, but this is now the yeah. first because of advancements in technology <laughs> and subscription services, we yeah. are now able to visually see ourselves Yay! as we record. We, yeah. you know, we normally just had Which actually, pictures. I'm already figuring out from the first Sam Shepard uh, episode, we, we vibe better this way. Yeah, it's, yeah absolutely. We it's, vibe better this way. We can see each other. We know when each other's making a shitty joke. All the thing we can tell when CJ's taking a hit of her cigarettes. No, no. cigarettes are worse than weed these days. <laughs> She's Cigar a chain smoking whore. No, ah, that's true. You know what we forgot? I do love to, that. You know what we forgot in the first fucking part of our Sam Shepard thing? The fact that mouths and butts are the same thing. Indeed, mouths and butts are the same things, and we didn't even get back to it. So that's this okay, is our. 
This we just talk about mountains or butts. It's fine. Does that mean Neil Labute is both shit and vomit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because he, you know, because he uh, comes out both ends. Oh, God. That sounds like food poisoning. We should call food poisoning. <laughs> oh, I got Neil Labute. That's exactly right. Neil Labute <laughs> is food poisoning. Um, We're never going to do a Neil Labute miniseries but we might because fuck that guy but and, and we probably won't do like mammoth either but we should do bonus episodes on them at some point I where, definitely we, saw where we do a collective collective one oh that'd be fun like assholes uh, in theater yeah shitty playwrights that that have tonys yeah um <laughs> i definitely saw an original neil labute on the west end and the lead was played by david schwimmer Wow. <laughs> some girls. I don't know if y'all. Plus, yeah, Leslie Manville yeah, from girls. Harlots was one of the girls in it. Some girls is the one where the guy is like recording people or whatever. It's something to he's, do with like a tape recorder. No, he's getting married. And so he's he calling decides, all of his old exes or something. He meets them all in a hotel room and it's like yeah. four different scenes. But don't you find out he's like recording the whole time or some shit? Oh, I might I be giving remember. something. I don't I know. I remember that on bookshelf. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. It's a shitty <laughs> fuck Neil Abu. Um, welcome to theater, <laughs> the theater podcast for theater people, made by three theater nerds from the LA theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Bertram. I'm CJ Merriman. I'm Scott Leggett. Each week, we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is our second episode in the mini series on Sam Shepard, which we have dubbed Fool. For Pod. Now, we're not covering Fool for Love. Um, <laughs> no, it's just the name of the, this episode. name of the podcast, but... This series. Uh, I've read Fool for, Lo- uh, Fool for Love plenty of times. I've seen it a couple times at, like, Fringe Fests. Um, yeah, there tends to be a Fool for Love at Fringe Fests sometimes, too. I know a lot of um, actors who want... Who are, like, t- TV film actors who want to keep them their... Uh, Theaters flowing. flowing will tend to do this play because they're mm. like, oh, it's, that's an easy one that everyone's heard of. Um, it's Sam Shepard. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it's it's never good. But yeah, so in case anybody was wondering, we're not going to be talking about Fool for Love, but it's a good play. Get over it's it. Great. It's, it's a great. It's definitely play. part of this quintet of families, right? Which I believe if you're if we're going to to list them, I think it's the Curse of the Middle Class or what's it called? Curse of the Starving, Curse of the starving class. class. Curse of the Starving Class. Which um, I had, I did years ago. And college. there's a movie of, a 1994 movie of, which mm-hmm. I didn't even realize yeah. that Sam Shepard wrote. Um, and then there's... It's got uh, James Woods in it, though. Well, fuck. fuck that that, I, now I have to see it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, from Hercules? Ooh, like, uh, no, James Woods. Like, if you're gonna, if we're gonna get rid of Neil Boot, you gotta get rid of... James you know, Woods. James yeah, Wood. well, later we're going to talk about Randy Quaid, so uh, we, we are, that's the whole yeah. thing, too. Let's, uh, what was my point? Oh, you were t- you were setting up the the, the, the quintology. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Curse of the Starving, come on, guys. Curse of the Starving Class. Um, Buried Child, True West, Fool for Love, and A Lie of the Mind. Yeah. So that's what people kind of say is the quintet that all follows sort of the same thematic elements and they're all dealing with family right they're all dealing with uh family drama in some sort death of the middle class uh, death of the middle class midwestern yeah Yeah, they're all kind of in the same vein they're all ladybird it's all (laughs) ladybird i think it's a weird i i i i I just don't think he ever said this is this is my i'm writing a quintology of plays about family because there's stuff that surrounds them there's other stuff like he doesn't write them straight back to back curse of the starving class came out in 78 
Buried Child came out in 78. Then he writes another play with uh, Joseph Chalkin called Tongues. Joseph right. Chaikin. Chaikin. That's right. Sorry. Um, and that's what, 70, also 78. Uh, he does a play called Seduced, which is a play in two acts, which I saw a great production of here in town years ago. Um, worth seeing. Uh, is then he Chaikin does... related to the Chaikin that, that Travis spoke about on his? Yes. Yeah. Joe Chaikin. Really? Yeah. Are they the same person? Yeah, he was. I need. I have a couple of his books on my bookshelf, but he was kind of like he was around that time, like the living theater, experimental theater, ritual to performance type of stuff. Gotcha. You know? Everybody, mm -hmm. go back and listen to our uh, artist spotlight with Travis uh, Snyder Eaton. He, yeah, uh, has worked Trev. with. Him. Yeah. Anyway, that's mm. what we. Were, I, I don't think it was an intentional structural thing that he was. You know. Oh, definitely not. It's the academic. It's the academicians need to put things in order right uh, uh there is no sam shepherd uh theatrical universe the ssTU you know no. and wally um, is actually or, a apocalyptic or... sam shepherd wally <laughs> is actually a sam shepherd play it is oh, that yeah. makes the, perfect sense the third Wally's act the, for sure yeah wally's the best one uh that's for sure um but that leads us to our next deep dive which is part of that quote-unquote quintet um quintology whatever you want to call it um quintilogy what's a five what's five Quintet. pentology yeah but that's quintology quintology oh, pentology? that Pen sounds right pentology alexa pentecostal scientology um lie of the mind cj's breakdown the story alternates between two families after a severe incident of spousal abuse leaves all their lives altered until the final collision at an isolated cabin. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen this one? No. I have not. This is my intro into it. Yeah. May I just share with y'all, I got really sassy while I was reading this last night, oh, and I whoa. made a list of subtitles <laughs> of Get like, it. okay, so. Lie of the Mind. A Lie of the Mind. The Colon. Dangers of Lead Poisoning. <laughs> a lie of the mind colon a showcase of impotent white male rage <laughs> a lie of the mind colon women am i right <laughs> and finally a lie of the mind Semicolon. everyone needs fucking therapy <laughs> that's for real uh that's absolutely true lie of the mind is is probably the bit the best case for everyone needs therapy i've ever read that's for sure. <laughs> um, it's yeah, Lie of the Mind's awesome. It's the two families this time, which is a little different for him. We haven't really seen that structure. I like it going back and forth. Um, how do you guys feel about Jake? That's a big question to start with, but I thought I'd throw it out there. Well, he's uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's I I think he's just highly damaged. Yeah. Um, and. Again, going back to the themes of family and all that, he is, he's, you know, the sins of the father, sins of the parents. Yeah. And really, like, Lorraine, Lorraine takes, does everything she can to not accept responsibility for him. Yeah. To give it to something else. It's the booze. It's the, the loose women. It's, it's the brother. It's, it's everybody else but him. She does this. She shields him in a weird way. Um, he's a super villain. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I loved this play. I loved it. I yeah. It was my favorite one. I've never been introduced to it before. Cool. Um, I loved it. Something that I appreciated about it as a whole was 
I mean, I know I, I didn't like Jake. I, I understand severely damaged. I'm sure he was abused as a child. I, I The cycle of abuse, I get it. But I appreciate that Shepard, you write, he wrote scenes where you are watching Jake deal with it afterwards. True. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like every time I've seen a show where somebody kills somebody right. and then usually that's it and we move on. But I do appreciate a TV the show aftermath. or a movie where you watch yeah. that person deal with, I've yeah. just murdered somebody. Yeah, I love Aftermath, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I'm just someone who just hates Jake the whole time. And it's and it's it's hard for me. And, and I again, I haven't seen it. And I feel like if somebody played it really well, I could, I could get on board with him more. But, you know, it goes back to like we've talked body awareness and there's some Kane stuff where – there's someone in it who we're meant to he isn't he isn't placed in a place uh, he's not placed for us to like him mm-hmm. necessarily right. but we do get to see a side of him where it is possible for us to understand him and feel for him mm. and i think that's interesting you see as a the character dots. but god i fucking hate that guy yeah yeah absolutely yeah. but well, he's of course you yeah this, yeah but he's stuck in this horrible sort of between the situ- his father, the sins of the father, and then the sins of himself with Beth, right? And he's just stuck in this. And the third act, there's this really, well, we'll get there later, but there's this really great image of him literally being between the two, like, mm-hmm. on stage, and it being kind of, oh, God, it's fucking Well, and I feel like strange. he's he's the guy in this story yeah. that gets neutered. Like, he's the one where you are yeah. terrified of him, and then you see him be the complete opposite by the end of the play. Right. Right. It, yeah, I, I have always taken it and, and um, I, I haven't hated him because I think Shepard likes him and Shepard wants to like him and he recognizes that there's Shepherd. something in him himself in that character. Yeah. And the urge, it's an urge for salvation. Yeah. Some sort of redemption. And that's always compelling. It's always mm-hmm. compelling to see, you know, um, the bad guy turn, you know, as Jake, much as it is the other way. Jake is Adnan. <gasps> mm. And here's my take on that. And I, I don't know that I've ever given this take on the podcast about my, my about cereal. And that's a whole other you know thing. But I just want to say real quick. There is a there is a version of that story, and my opinion is that Adnan did it. But we'll talk about that some other time. Uh, my but I I have this. It's based in the fact that I know people, and I I've even wondered if maybe I could be this way, not as bad as like killing somebody, but I know people who, when pushed to a certain limit, have no control over themselves with anger, with violence, with you know, and they go. And things happen. And it's scary as shit. But I have this idea that anybody can be pushed to a certain place, especially when you're young and you have no control over your own, you know, physical whatever. And I think Jake fits that a little bit. Where it's like, he beat, I mean, beat her to... He's been abusing her their whole relationship though, right? Yeah, Right, exactly. But to a place now where it's he could have killed her. Right. Right. And it would have been a whole different thing. And if he had killed her, he would have felt the deepest guilt. And you see that in the play. You see that if that had really, if it had gone further, he would have felt all the guilt for it. But he also feels guilt for what he's done and still loves her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're meant to latch on to. 
I have a lot of trouble doing that, which is why I think Adnan killed. I want to go on record and say <laughs> I completely disagree with Bailey. Free Adnan. I follow I, Fabia on Twitter. She's yeah, like, he's very good at talking on the podcast. I guess. How, no, how dare you? How dare you? But the, the problem with the whole thing is that there it's um, about the murder of this young girl. Um, hey, and mm -hmm. she's and, and it's sort of this like crazy story where nothing adds up and certain things add up. And then they're like, it's the 90s. So they're trying to ping cell phones, but it didn't really work that way at the yeah. time. And it's just the weirdest story. And she and this woman breaks it down in this uh, podcast called Serial. Eric Koenig. Eric Koenig. And it's it's very good. It's very well done. But it's also what got podcasting to become such a massive craze. Right. Sure. Right. I mean, I know um, the title. I just so everyone has their opinions on it. And I, for the longest time, while, while I was listening to it, was very free odd on. That's just how I was going. And then I started really dissecting my own feelings about like other people I know who are similar to him and who I think are just like greatest people, salt of the earth people, but that I know have a side to them that they wouldn't, that no one would ever guess that they have and that exists. And I think you can, can convince yourself of anything to a point also where maybe he doesn't believe he did it. And there's, there's a lot of mental shit going on there that I don't think we have any tap into. So I'm, I'm, I'm being a little facetious when I say, Oh, none did it. I don't know that. None of us know that. But it, it works better if he did. So it adds up better if he did. So that's where I'm me. going with. I mean, yeah, until that's we can fine. prove it. That's just how it goes. But uh, Adnan's a murderer. So I think that Jake, it's just a good comparison. Um, no, it's not. Jake beat the shit out of her for their whole relationship, though. That's what I mean. It's been this big history of abuse. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there had been a history of abuse in that relationship, too, if you remember. But that doesn't matter. Lie of the mind. The, the big point I just wanted to make is that Jake is someone that I think people, when reading this, is gonna it's going to create a, like it has just done, it's going to create a, a, a bit of a rift between people because I know people who read this and go, this is about Jake's guilt and his dealing with this and i and they don't think frankie is the good guy at all they think it's like fucked up that frankie goes and and uh does all this oh. right oh. so i'm the opposite i'm completely the opposite and i think most people would be but i think there's a side to this and maybe this is maybe it's a it's a um male perspective or something where i know people who do feel for jake and that's why i just wanted to bring up the question i just feel like it's um yeah, it's a hot I topic for sure. I, I I think that it's important. I think Shepard knew that it was important that you you if he, if he would have written a villain character, it's like he's he's very much like like Lee in True West. He's he's a, a raw ember. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and absolutely. Um, um, and you once you once you piece together what he's done, you're like. Take take him to the fucking police. Right. I don't give a shit. Stop feeding him exactly, and get him to the fucking police. Yeah. In a way, we as an audience like kind of are forced to forgive and protect him a little bit. At least as a reader, I guess I was. Yeah. Um, yeah. In in that you're protecting the idea of this character because there's good in this character and there's love in this character for this person 
Um, who's yeah, it's kind of like how in Koenig his... treats Adnan the whole season. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, and I agree. I'll get off Jake. I'll stop talking about Jake. We should yeah. we should we should move to Beth. Yeah, let's Beth about. is really interesting and possibly one of the hardest Sam Shepard characters to play. <gasps> Yeah, I mean, yeah. Cause you, is that a bold statement or a legit statement? I don't I know. I think it's a perfectly legit statement. I think it's physically hard. It's mentally hard. Like, because those words, like, he's very specific. It's not like she's just mumbling or the, the words and that rhythm has to be found. And right. you has to be uh, done. I mean, it's always the, if you read reviews, or, or it's always the character that gets the most attention in terms of, critics and reviews whether they right. like it or don't like it it's the, right. either brilliant or it's it's missed or whatever it's the it's fucking hard and you can yeah. tell that it's fucking hard yeah um and uh am i saying this right it's so beautiful like i find her so beautiful her path to reassembling and fixing herself in her mind yeah um is this beautiful struggle and it's none of this is easy though that that's why i think it's it's like all of his other stuff none of this is easy lie of the mind i, I I've, I've never seen it though but i've read it multiple times right i'm so, the, i'm sorry i'm kind of rambling about the first major production of it besides the original um cuz there was there was the first stage production off broadway which was promenade theater yeah and that had uh, Sam Shepard directed it, and then that had Harvey Keitel, Amanda Plummer, Aiden Quinn um, as Frankie, which is and cool. Geraldine, Geraldine fucking Page, Page as yeah. Lorraine. That's a big like, one. That's that's um, the big one. I mean, that's super cool. I mean, Geraldine Page, like people are like who saw her live on stage in her prime were like, yeah, Meryl Streep doesn't. Meryl Streep didn't get, doesn't get close to sniffing her. Like she, right. like even in her film work, like a trip to bountiful, the film version, I think she won an Oscar for that. Yeah. She is. Have you ever seen it? CJ? Mm -mm, mm -mm. It's, it's based on a play, a trip to bountiful. Yeah. I've got, I've got it on my bookshelf. And she's, it's, it's unlike watching anybody else act. She's just in Geraldine. it. She's living it. She's breathing it. Yeah, um, she's so good. But anyway, that's the perfect casting for that. That's a great casting. And then they oh. did a revival years later off Broadway, um, which was at the new group at uh, Acorn Theater. And Ethan Hawke directed that. Yes, yes. Um, speaking of Ethan Hawke. Um, Is he a good then, director? I don't he's know. Been, he's oh, okay. Been, he's been directing a lot. I, I mean, it got. I guess I'm trying to get your guys' sense of do you guys like Ethan Hawke? Because I mean, I do. I do okay, like okay. as an actor, he's yeah. great. I, I think uh, everything he's done with fucking um, uh, Linklater. Linklater is, is next level. The the Before Sunset, Midnight, Sunrise uh, trilogy Boyhood. is incredible. Boyhood's incredible. I like his Hamlet. I know people hate on it. I think there's parts of it that make sense. I think he's good. Um, I liked Great Expectations. He, and I, Great yeah. Expectations is great. Mm -hmm. And I love The Explorers. Remember The mm -hmm. Explorers? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. When he, it's a movie. When he he's a like kid. a kid. Yeah. And oh, he, it's okay. so good. It's like, and, it's like, and Little River Phoenix. and Little River, who's playing like a little chubby nerd and it's super yeah. weird, named Wolfgang or something. And it's they, they figure out basically a way to make bubbles that um, float 
And so they put one of these or that can hold like extreme weight. So they put these bubbles around like a spaceship that they, they build, build and they, they build their own spaceship space. and they go into outer space. Awesome. It's beautiful. It's like this beautiful so weird movie. And there's like great puppetry in it. Anyway, we digress. And it has Keith Carradine in it, by the way, uh, not the movie Explorers, but the off-Broadway revival. <laughs> Had uh, Keith Carradine, Josh Hamilton, uh, Laurie Metcalf as Meg, <gasps> which is super cool. I love him. Oh, oh God. Um, Speaking of somebody that has influenced my acting. Yeah. Um, and then Karen Young was Lorraine, but she had played Sally in the original. In the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Frank Whaley's in it. Frank Whaley. Oh, Frank Whaley. Keeps going. He played Mike. Um, you know, cool. we forgot to talk about what we um, when we did True West was we didn't talk about Ethan Hawke and Paul Dano's. Um, right. Their true West that they had right. done. Um, did they so film he, that? I don't know. I, I saw, find I watched a recent interview with the, well, an interview with the two of them as it was opening, but there was footage from it, but I'm so a big Paul it. Dano fan. I am too. I'm um, a big Paul Fano. <laughs> <laughs> Stano. Paul Stano. Yeah. I'm a Paul Stano. Ah. Um, but Ethan Hawke was very eloquent and interesting in talking about, the idea of hypnotizing yourself as an actor Mm. and that the only way that the two of them were going to get through the marathon physical two hours of true West was they had to hypnotize themselves and hypnotize each other. And it was just this kind of, you could see he's probably like a real earthy feel it out dude, but he's bright as hell. I mean, he's written four novels and, (laughs) <laughs> we're all into ethan hawk <laughs> yo ethan hawk all day he uh, cheated on uma though which is one right. of the dumbest things i've that ever heard that is <laughs> on uma thurman man they met yeah. on gattaca is that yeah. right yeah i love that movie let's go down ethan hawk's imdb and just give him performance ratings on sure. everything sure 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 cool what else what, what, what are the thoughts on line of the mind there's a lot to talk about here there's a lot to, to dissect i want to take this play and then I want to take Paula Vogel's How I Learned to Drive, mm-hmm. and I want to do them in rep. <laughs> like, okay. switching night after night and That'd call be- it. Yeah, I just, I, I kept reading this one and thinking it was, it was like the dude version of How I Learned to Drive. <laughs> how I Lied of the Drive? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can, you can so see. Um, I see that. Well, it's just so cycle of abuse, like. Yeah. Um, can I tell you what I, what hit me this time in reading it? I've read it. I think I've, uh, I, I've read it endless times. I almost played Mike in a production years ago mm. and it all fell apart. Um, but, um, the metaphor, uh, the fire in the snow at the end, the idea that there's this hope that burns, that burns where it shouldn't be able to burn. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought was just beautiful. And I, I couldn't figure out how you would play it, like how you would stage that out. I really want to see this play. I think I want to direct it um, at some point, at some point in my life. But yeah. it's it's so much. There's oh, there was a quote I was going to read. Hold on, let me get it. Let me get it. Um, this play seems to ricochet through American dramatic liter- literature as it shares O'Neill's vision of mirror image fathers and sons locked in mutually destructive combat. So it contains flaky Williams mothers, Geraldine Page. Uh-huh. Um, and once it moves surprisingly from darkness to light, uh, a pop art domestic absurdity uh, reminiscent of Albie's American dream. Hmm. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's it. When I first read it, I used to think 
felt like it was a lesser buried child. And hmm. I, I don't think that way at all. As a matter of fact, I, I, I don't make that comparison at all. Yeah. It, I wouldn't even compare of, these. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's apples and oranges and this is so rich and, and uh, I'm mad at myself forever considering that. Ever I'm mad at you it. forever considering that. You're so. not mad at me. You love me. You're right. Yeah. I, I am mad at CJ for um, not accepting that um, my opinion on cereal like really matters to me. It's like a really huge deal to me. <laughs> You're totally okay, allowed. Okay. I just no. The point is, I don't care. I don't care. With you. you too violently it, disagree. I just don't care. First... I, which is why I would never like fight. I would never try to get him like like to stay in jail or anything i just it just tracks better for me in my head and i want it to be solved that's actually the biggest issue i just want things to be fucking solved mm -hmm. and i hate that they're not like the making a murderer shit i'm just like just solve it just tell me who did it so i can stop thinking about it but that kathleen zellner i want to kick butt i want to i want to learn how to talk out of the side of my mouth like her i want to be her best friend <laughs> let's be straight up and then I, I want her to do the carol baskins case just for fun. massive uh, digression. I have this okay. idea to do a designing women that's all of the great lady, lady lawyers from like like. Well, I want Al <laughs> I want Alberta Jones in there, but also sure, uh, sure, Leslie sure. Abrams and Abrams. Kathleen Zellner and Christina Gutierrez. Gutierrez. And okay. I want it to be like a designing women like sitcom thing. Hell yeah! I think Hell only yeah. me and five of my friends would get it, but. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that. I would watch it. Um, we're it, it. It can be the sequel to our Top Girls with Playwrights. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> um, anyway, good times. Uh, Lie of the Mind was the first one I think I read for real when I was at Hogwarts, and it just really stuck with me. I have a lot of love for this play. I love it. Yeah. I have a lot of love for this play. I'd love to tackle um, a couple of these roles. Mm -hmm. Baylor specifically uh in a few years i'd love to play baylor um just a good fucking show yeah i'd like to i'd like to i'd like to do mike i'd love i will do baylor at some point later yeah. later yeah um i was gonna use neither of you've seen this mm -mm. I, I haven't and i'd love to but i there's some cool theatrical things in it like where it's at the beginning uh, one guy's supposed to be like behind everyone in the audience, right? Yeah. He's on the phone calling Frankie mm -hmm, and things mm -hmm. like that. Like, I love that kind of shit. I would love to see this done. Now, let's go see it. Or let's just yeah. produce it. One of the things that struck me is I read about the music. He has a special mm. uh, playwright and director right. thing that he had live music. I forget what the fucking name of the band was. It's in the that copy of the play. Mumford and Sons, actually. <laughs> It's like they're like, well, they're like Mumford and Sons. It was Panic at the Disco. <laughs> yeah. um, I love Panic no, they're the like the, the the Red Clay Ramblers or something like that. Oh, all right, all right. Out of North Carolina, they're like a they're a bluegrass band, but they also do like Irish and English um, yeah. folk traditional folk songs and stuff. Love that shit. So you could feel it, and it and it and it changes like they they it, it's got that that Irish vibe of, you know, old Irish songs, you know, and, yeah. um, but then it's got like real, like cool, like picking like bluegrass mm. country music, Ooh. really great stuff. Um, I'm a bluegrass stan, y'all. I'm from Kansas yeah. where the bluegrass festival takes place every year. And it's, uh, it's something I'm, I'm a massive fan of. Yeah. Big, big, big fan. I could talk bluegrass all day. You guys want to do a bluegrass podcast? I fucking yeah, love sure. bluegrass. Does, Do it. does this play have, um, 
Did they ever give a location on it where they are? Uh, Montana and California. Right. Montana okay. and California. So yeah, the yeah. Uh, Jake is in Montana, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Beth and her family are in California. Northern okay. California. Yeah. North, I, North, I'd North forgotten there for a sec. Yeah. But it all feels very Midwest. It all, it, it, you know, um, I actually, I, I made this joke earlier that it's, uh, these are similar to like Lady Bird or something. Lady Bird is set in Sacramento. Did you guys see that? Lady yeah. Bird? Mm-hmm. It's set in Sacramento, but it's, it feels so much like Wichita fucking Kansas. Mm. Like it right. just feels like a Midwest town. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like a lot of California feels that way, even though we always see it as like sunny SoCal with the palm tree. It's like, no, NorCal is like fucking is just the Midwest. Fresno? Like, yeah, like, come it's, on. There's nothing different there. Right. And it's red. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's red as fuck. Red as shit. LA is the only reason California is. <laughs> San Francisco. Well, and San Fra- yeah, the Bay. And uh, and maybe like SAC, but that's it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, SAC. SAC. <laughs> SAC Pimento. Um, so, our nation's capital. I mean, our state capital. I wanted to uh, just real quick interject about Baylor. And mm-hmm. get your guys' vibe on, on Baylor. Go Bears. <laughs> Go Bears. Go Bears. Uh, Baylor Bears. Waco. Because um, he's <laughs> because he's he's an asshole, but he also kind of drops some truth bombs a sure. little bit. Yeah. Um I mean he's a hoot of a character to play, I'm sure. Yeah. Like and 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 it kind of hey, steals the script. Every bigot I know has had a good idea now and then. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I hated him. I just, he yeah. honestly, like out of, Jake, yeah, obviously. But like, I just, I, and I understand why he would be a fun character to play. And he says stuff that's funny and everything. But I think the whole time I was paying attention to how he treated Meg. And I was like, yeah. I fucking exactly. hate this guy. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, as a character, I really, like I said earlier, I really want to play him someday because he sure. just is my uncle. Right, he just he's is so my many. uncle. He's, he's all of our uncles. Like, well, in the yeah, switch exactly. of that, <laughs> exactly. I would love to play Lorraine, and yeah. she's a horrible, evil yeah. person too. So, right. Oh, Lorraine's that's a that's a uh, juicy pot, right? Yes. There. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I love that role. Geraldine Page, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we do a Geraldine Page podcast? Let's we do probably that. should. We probably like, should. I'm I mean, putting like, her on the list. Like, that's she's great. got some amazing stuff out there. You can, yeah. you can watch. <laughs> Lorraine I think actually Le- had- I think Leon knew her. Oh, of course. Wow. Nice. Of course. She, who is she married? She was married to somebody. Um someone sexy. Somebody um, famous, yeah. Is there any anything else we want to say on Lie of the Mind? Lorraine Beyond- had my favorite line. Of, Read that. You know, uh love. What a crock of shit. Love. There's another disease. Only difference is it's a disease that makes you feel good while it lasts. Then when it's gone, you're worse off than before you caught it. (laughs) Guess what I'm going through right now? (laughs) I just read that. I'm like, God damn right, Lorraine. Um, Hashtag COVID. (laughs) I mean, love. I meant love. COVID love? (laughs) COVID love. Love it? Love in the time of COVID. (laughs) The name of every play written during the quarantine. (laughs) There's just this wonderful theme about sort of the torture of of love, the, the the torture, the opposite sex do none of these relationships. Nobody, there's nothing healthy going on. No, none of these couples that are are anyway healthy. And- well, and Shepard in general is writing about things that are not fixed, mm-hmm. right? right? He's he's writing about things that are broken, are not gonna get fixed, 
They never get fixed. That's never his point. He never finishes the problem. No. He's always just like, these are the problems. No. Here's how they that do fi- it. That final moment of <laughs> that final moment of True West is so fucking nuts. Yeah. Like the, yeah. What, what? What? They're just staring at each other. Barry Child staring. at the end. Tilden's just walking around with a dead baby. <laughs> just, just, they're not dealing Going with it. Fix this, or you're gonna fix get this. Trump. Right, Boy. and that's the point he's trying to make. He's like, fix these things, and and do it. And uh, I'll quote. I, I'm I'm gonna think of. I I believe it's Abraham Hicks, but I'll double check this. There's a great quote. That is, you want to go change, you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Right. And that strikes so true with this whole thing where it's like, yeah, man, like so many people are out there. You, okay. You, you want to go, you want to insurrect and, and go and go to the terrorist ta- attack on the Capitol because you think that's going to create change. Nothing changed. Now we all, now we're all just trying to put you in jail. That's what changed. If you had gone home and you had loved your family correctly and you had taught them moral and you had, you know, that's a change you can make in the world. I and mean, what Shepard's trying to say is stop burying shit in the fucking backyard <laughs> and fucking deal with it. Or the corn's gonna grow up and then you can't ignore it anymore. Or the corn's gonna grow. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I love we this part. We tapped play. it. We figured out We Shepherd. figured it out. We can be done with the podcast now. Let's go. I'm uh, really glad that we fixed everything, you guys. We fixed everything. It's just about people <laughs> who aren't fixed or things that aren't fixed. And he's writing about that feeling and he, he tapped into it and he gets it. And the evolution, I would argue, of his plays is that he's showing deeper and deeper with less metaphor, I would say. Like Barry Child feels very full of like metaphor, but as he Light of the Mind feels not so much. It was very. It, it was much it's there. Well, the metaphor is yeah. there, but right. it's not so absurd. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Agreed. yeah. There's still these. You know, um, it, I think that the trap is is that we think, I think people think of him as some sort of gritty sort of you know kitchen sink kitchen sink realism kind of thing. Right. And that's not what's going on. Like no. There, the, no. there, there is, it's, it's, it's uh, the universe off just a little bit. It's like, yeah. he's writing about a crack in the wall, yeah. but not how the crack got there. Just that the, that it exists, the, that it exists. Yeah. And not, not how it got there or how it's being patched. Right. The existence of it. And mm-hmm. can it be fixed? I mean, it's, it's in many ways, the, the one big thing I think he takes from Beckett is this, this notion of a universe universality of, of philosophy that's infused yeah. in that there's yeah. a great Tracy let's quote that I mentioned in part one and I'll, I'll drop it um, in part hear two. It. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to save now. it till the end. Okay. I'll, oh, okay. 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 I was just going to, it doesn't really matter, but it, it's a great summation of his work. So I was like, yeah, yeah. Let, right on. Let, 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 I'll wait. I'll wait. Right on. Cool. Um, um, but it, I feel like, that's about as far as we can go with Lie of the Mind. Loved it. No, right? read it. Go see it. I, I, I can't wait to see a production, and yeah. maybe we'll have to make that happen. Maybe we'll have to make it happen. I'd love to see a production. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts, listeners, on this play. This is a, this is uh, this is this one's great. And there's a lot to tackle here. It's very deep. It's very dark. It's very macabre, and it's um, it's kind of everything we want um in theater. Like my uh, butt. My butthole's macabre, dark, which means dark your mouth macabre. is also. Thank you. Things. Yes. Um, mouths and the same thing. Uh, so let's go to the next one. What's the next one we're doing, Scott? Uh, it's uh, it's called God of Hell. Oh. CJ, what's it about? 
CJ's Breakdown. Wisconsin dairy farmer Frank and his wife Emma's peaceful middle American life is destroyed by Mr. Welch, a mysterious, ultra-patriotic government employee in pursuit of Frank's old friend, Haynes. Boom. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, this is sort of a response to the events of September 11th, 2001. Correct. It it is, um, but also it, it was more immediately in response to the Abu Ghraib scandal and all the, all this horror, the torture, it was the torture stuff. So yes, it was in response to that, but then he, he wrote it real fast. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was first produced at the Actors Studio Drama School, which is super cool. Hmm. Um, uh, directed by Lou Jacob, who I've never heard of. But it had Tim Roth. As Welch. Mm. As Welch. It had Randy Quaid as Frank, which is mm. interesting because of who Randy Quaid is and has become. And he was a marvelous Thanks. actor. Like people yeah. forget, like he was an he Oscar nominated. Oscar actor. nomination. Yeah. yeah, he's he was great for a long time. Yeah, what was that for? I want to say it was Midnight Express, but I think it was last detail. You're you're, you're correct. It was the, it was last, the last detail. detail. Randy yeah. Quaid is a weird and and he's one of my favorite character actors in terms. Okay, okay, Uncle Eddie is yeah. one of the oh my god funniest characters ever. It's not you roll over, you let Uncle Clark scratch your <laughs> belly. Uh, yeah. Get the hamsters in the rubber sheets. We're going. We're moving in. Uh, shitters full. Wasn't he shitters the full. Independence Day guy. Hello, he was an Independence. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yes. What? And now wait. He's. He's a bit of a trumper, I believe. He's, he's a trumper. Yeah. I, well, yeah I he's like, gone over the he, edge. Yeah. I mean, I problematic, but I was wondering in what way. Yeah, and okay. I don't know all of it. I know there's a lot of drama surrounding him. Um, there's some weird shit going on there. Okay. His uh, wife is kind of wacky and has yeah. contributed to his so his life is like a sam shepherd play yeah um, <laughs> he, um well he was trumpers. in bro- he, uh, go ahead i'm sorry well they're, he, they're big trumpers and he he's one of the people who sort of was asserting without evidence uh that the 2020 election was bullshit and um is still sort of on that train he's like cardoon uh, yeah yeah but yeah. he's gotten to the point where he's wearing, you know, he's wearing tinfoil hat kind of thing. Oh, yeah. okay. He's Something a, he's happened. A like, lone guy. A... He watches One America News rather than Fox. He, like, Anything boycotts else. Fox. And, Ro- yeah. Wow, okay, okay, he's, okay, got He's it. even worse than, yeah, he's trash. And you know what? His uh, brother's trash, too. Fuck Dennis Quaid. So, you know, great. I will say I met Dennis Quaid one time. And he oh. Was, he was really cool to me. He's supposed to be one of the coolest people, but... Apparently he's a Trump supporter and it's hard for me to get on that train right now. Dennis, I don't think he's a, to be fair, I don't think he's a Trump supporter. I think he's conservative, but I don't think he's, he's like Kelsey Graham. If you notice, (laughs) Kelsey Graham has stayed out of the fucking, Mm. I think he's more conservative quote end quote than he is Trump supporter. And there's a distinction. Other interesting things uh, for Randy Quaid, though, that he was, in fact... um, Randy Quaid is a Trumper. Dennis Quaid isn't. That's Right. Uh, But Randy Quaid is, in fact, uh, uh, played Lenny in a... Of Mice and Men. I think it was like a PBS television film. Yeah. Yeah. um, Which is pretty cool. And he was also Mitch uh, in Streetcar and was nominated for a primetime Emmy. Yeah. For it. Wow! Yeah. For a miniseries or movie at the primetime Emmys, 
um, for for supporting in 1984, interestingly enough. And he was on SNL and things like that. I don't know why we're talking about Randy Quaid except that he was he using was, out of hell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. I went deep into the Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid rabbit. No, I have yeah. a cool. I have a cool God of Hell story. Tell. So Brian Krasner, friend of the podcast and my roommate. Bye. B. Kras. <laughs> B. Kras, uh understudied uh, the role of Frank at the Geffen Playhouse in Ooh. production in 2006, directed by Jason Alexander. Cool. <gasps> I love Jason. That's so cool. It had Brian Cranston as um, as Welch. Wow. Uh, wow. It, had, it had Curtis Armstrong as Haynes. Um, Bill Faberbaki, cool. Faberbaki, Faberbaki. I can never yes. say. Yes, great last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Um, great, was, great name. Was in it, and um, so I got to like meet everybody, and I got to see run-throughs, and I got to see the show a couple times. Um, awesome. It, it um, it, it's um, it's it was crazy because people walked out and shit. People were angry. Wow. Really? Yeah. It, it's it seems a little timid now because. He, Guess what? He was right. He called everything. He said, "Yeah, Sam Shepard called it. It's it's only gotten worse." Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the this is sort of the ultimate. Yeah, this play is almost the ultimate. His final sort of stamp on the warning of like, "All right, you're not listening to me." Yeah. Check it out. You're asking <laughs> you for just, it. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. You're all gonna Uh-oh. get it real bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> That wow. being said, like I, I appreciate this play. I appreciate all the themes in it, and yeah, and the, the, it's interesting because those characters are interesting. They're different from any of his other plays. Certainly, any of the others that we deep dive into. Otherwise, the characters are 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 different. They're certainly more symbolic in what they are. It's a for little sure. more um, macro than the other ones. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. So there's and it's it's a weird balancing act. It's a it's a dark comedy, but you have to yeah. be careful with how you play that comedy, right? And like like so, it's a weird balancing act. I feel like he may have rushed it. I think it's it's in response to something, and I think it's cool to see Sam Shepard writing directly in response to something in a politically charged way, rather than what are clearly far more thoughtful meditational things early on mm-hmm. right did this do well was this a success no i think it was no i think it was it received shaky it got a lot of attention because it, it was you know it, yeah people were getting upset but i don't think it was it didn't it didn't win any awards or anything like that right that, we tried to choose things that were sort of um representative of certain times in his you know writing i i barry child was starting a little late because i know he was writing before that but that was the his like big one that mm-hmm. took off so that's why we wanted to start it there this is one i didn't hear i hadn't even ever heard of until right. maybe like a year or two ago someone suggested it to me mm-hmm. and i was just like oh okay and i didn't read it i was mm-hmm. like that doesn't even I, that doesn't interest me right now i i don't know why i haven't read that one but i haven't mm-hmm. and i've i've read like i said before i've read almost all of his plays so the fact that i never went and picked this up was interesting to me but reading it this time if we're discussing evolutions mm-hmm. i think this is sort of because I've read some things later than this as well. I would argue that this is sort of the beginning of the end for him, hmm. if that makes sense, in terms of being a playwright. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is when I feel his relevance stepping away. But I, I agree with I love the thematics of this. I love the content of this play. Um, I do really like it. 
But after reading the other three, this is the last one I read, I was a little underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I agree. I wonder if it's the time I'm reading it in. I'm wondering if it's the, you know, or, or what it is. But I, you know, I remember the moment when I found out 9-11 had happened, you know. So I have a connection to the idea of um, whatever he's trying to say with this. But I don't feel like that tracks with me. And I'm, well, I, th- I have trouble with it. I think unlike the other, certainly the other deep dives that we have, this is this this one doesn't endure. It's already dated. It, it feels right. it, it feels dated. older than buried child. You're right. It yeah. does. It um, absolutely does. Well, and it's also something that I feel like we've just it's been it's been in our faces forever. Mm-hmm. Whether it's the news or it's movies being made or plays being written or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's 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 dated and also it's like I've seen 9/11 stuff that hits yeah. it a little bit better. You know what right. I mean? And and in general, I think I've seen a lot of theater and movies that do this them the these thematic things better since then. Right. You yes. know, exactly. So I think it's I, I think maybe that's why it was underwhelming for me. I kept trying to like put myself in that brain space and you know You know what the I other thing is I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's um, good. it just occurred to me it it's not as weird as it should be. At this point, like, w- yeah, when that that crest is the, the wave of his career is starting to break. And I think he should he should have kind of gone back to that surrealism, that absurdism. It's almost a little too grounded. It's it's surreal and absurd as you step back from it. But in it, it's not. And it kind right. of reminded me of some of those. um lesser churchills those carol churchills that that were yeah. distinctly in reaction to an event yeah um and there's nothing wrong with that my god there's worse people than carol churchill and, and sam sure, sure. writing about it well and then event. she had certain things like like um pigs and dogs which was in response to something but didn't feel like that it was so right. profound and then she yeah. had other things that you're right it felt in response to a time or a, or a moment and it was like oh that doesn't track for me anymore. i was like oh i i, uh, I i'm not up on my 19 19- yeah 70s right Palis- right palestinian exactly uh, you know all that, <laughs> yeah yeah you know, exactly. state, of, state of affairs and again yeah. not knocking it and that's i think it's it's important that we have writers like that that do write in response to things and the thing yeah. the, the challenge with that especially no matter who you are if you're sam shepherd or not is you know can you make those themes and make that universality and and that ideology that you're exploring or challenging um make it bigger than the moment itself to yeah. transcend the moment but he also might not have been trying to transcend the moment i think there there was a part of him that was kind of slapping everybody because this it. comes out in yeah. 2004 right before bush's re-election mm-hmm. um and he's calling it he's like this is this is go this is totalitarian we're yeah. getting we're getting into some weird authoritarianism weird you know what's the quote uh, about um Oh, patriotism is the last re- refuge of a scoundrel. You know, mm-hmm. that's what Welsh is. And, and mm-hmm. so he's not wrong. He doesn't. It's just the whole thing just kind of misses. And I don't get enough right. of the other characters. And uh, when well, I yeah. And I, I love this idea that this aggressive patriotism. Right. Is like is making this sort of homestead, this heartland house sort of like torture scene 
right? Or like, a, you know- uh, But to me, that's where all the aggressive patriotism is. Right, absolutely. And I and I think that's, and so I, I can like get behind the idea of it. And I, right. but I don't, it just doesn't, I, I don't know that it gets there. And I read this great quote, it's like, um, Welsh is promoting a road, uh, uh, Welsh is promoting a radioactive brand of, of conformity with a dangerously long half-life. Hmm. That's a great way to put it, mm -hmm. is it's sort of like, it's like, well, that's where we're where we are now, which is what we've said a hundred times. I think, I I think we've hit the nail on the head that this one just doesn't. Would you say, Scott? Like this doesn't like, it doesn't live up. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't endure. It doesn't. It doesn't endure. It doesn't endure. It's and, a period play. You know, and yeah, it's a period piece. You yeah. know, you, you you write forty plays. Not all of them are going to be masterpieces. And I think that when you talk about Buried Child, yeah, True West, and Lie of the Mind. The, those are masterpieces. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like True West is, you know, aside from a, a few modern references, is is almost Godot-like in terms yeah, of, right. you, know, you know, I can Godotian. easily see it being done in 50 years is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. This play isn't going to be done in fifty years. It it uh, it, it could it would could be done now, but to what end? Happen. It's gotten so much worse. Like it, yeah, it's yeah. a period piece. Like CJ said, or just like um Austin's screenplay in uh, True West. He's writing a period piece. <laughs> um, writing God of Hell. What's, what's, yeah. what's a yeah. period piece? Oh, with, now we've connected the Sam universe. Oh, the, the story and that Wally they're telling. Is the yeah. and Wally is the ant. Wally is. Lorraine from the line. No. Um, <laughs> this is amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've gone pretty deep into Shepard. We've talked a lot about him. We've gone through his evolution. Um, if you guys have any other thoughts on God of Hell, let's get them out. But I don't know that we. There's a whole lot to dissect here. We can step through the plot if we want to. No, I don't think it's. I think. I mean, you know, I would. I think that there's interesting characters in here. Um, sure. And sure. I would, you know, I would love to play Welch. I would love to, you know. Yeah, just take uh, over the whole the fucking, yeah, fucking, yeah. Know, it's, it'd be just and lose your mind uh, in playing that uh, reactionary, uh, ultra conservative yeah. person, you know, it would be great. Um, maybe even cathartic. But no, otherwise, you know, I, I think that talking about patriotism and security and then he tries to get a little bit of environmentalism in there and, and it's like we're, yeah. we're we're done it's like unfortunately we're we're, we're done yeah. yeah i do have an overall shepherd conclusion yeah let's hear it let's, let's get move, final yeah, thoughts yeah, on yeah. shepherd yeah. yeah yeah um i and this is a personal preference for me that i'm finding and mm -hmm. i think it'll change and shift mm -hmm. as i grow older and have different experiences but the shepherds, the time in Shepherd that I like is when it is a straightforward, honest scene going on. Yeah. For me, when you get in too much absurdity mm -hmm. or surrealness, for me, I want to see the truth of what's going on as opposed to, now what does this mean? And I think it's sure. just because I've never been good. I, I, when I read Buried Child the first time, if I were ever sit down and watch Buried Child, I'd be like, why the fuck is he covering him with corn? I, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. And I would probably spend act two trying to figure out what the hell that meant. Right. Um, I'm just, I, I don't know. I, I think I have a more um, literal brain. And so I like the shepherd stuff when it's a little more like just people talking. Naturalism and, and yeah. realism. Yeah, I get that. 
What about you, Scott? Final thoughts on on the Shep dog, on the Shep pod, uh, and your Tracy Letts quote. I want to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yes. I, I got I got it coming up. Um, my my final quote was a buddy of mine uh, back back in the day would talk about Shepard, um, and we came up that the Shepard is kind of one of these dudes that. He's shat in some really crazy places. He's eaten at some really greasy diners. And he has drunk in some fucking hole in the fucking wall bars. Yeah. And I think the other thing that strikes me every time I read it, despite judging actions of certain characters, um, and, and rightfully so, he never disdains any of his characters. He right. never gives you a villain um, that you can easily just hate. You hate people because of what they do and what they say, but he's um, he which likes I, those people. He, which he, is why I wanted to have that Jake talk because it's yeah. that it's and mm-hmm. it's Annie Baker does that too. We talked a lot about that on the Annie Baker pod. Yeah. Is that she doesn't hate Vogel. the people she's writing. Well, Vogel. Vogel does it so well. And oh, I forgot yeah. about that. I, oh, how well. I learned to drive. It's like that character. You should hate that character, and you don't. Yeah. Which is probably why he was able to do what he did anyway which is like the opposite of like a humbert humbert situation where we're only hearing his side and we're meant to hate him right you know and it's oh god it's so interesting well we're gonna do a vogel podcast again someday i just want to talk about her all (laughs) fucking day keep going no no i just uh but i think it's there's um i think he had an empathy for people um where he he was able to get a full snapshot in other words you can talk about people in in rural areas in the 1970s which were decimated by fucking dumbass political and economic decisions that just killed a, a generations two generations of people that had worked really hard and really had hope and so i think a lot of his empathy and sympathy comes from watching the American dream die or realizing that the the American dream wasn't ever there. But this guy that I'm drinking in the bar next to, mm-hmm. he doesn't know that. And so I, and so I think that there's sort of a great love for dumbasses in a lot of ways, a lot of empathy yeah. for yeah. that, you know, yeah. that, or for, for small town folk, for small, for townies. Townies and but also like you look at Lee. Lee's a drifter. Yeah, he's a right. criminal. He's a thief. Easy but you writers. Love him. You love him the whole time. Absolutely. Sure. Ne'er do wells. Ne'er do wells. Yeah. 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 Um, real quick, Tracy lets us. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Comment. It, it's very short, and I probably hyped it too much. He was able to sim- He Sam Shepard was able to synthesize many different elements: European avant-garde, rock and roll, cowboy movies poetry and a working class sensibility and it was that balancing act that he was able to sustain for so long that made him who he was and i'm like yep that's in every fucking thing that's in every fucking play he understood it tracy letts has fucking x-ray goggles for that shit man that's exactly right that's perfect that's a great way to say it and he worshipped at that uh, at that dude's altar. And I'm just glad wow. that they met and they thought each other was cool. I that's just think cool that's great. Shit. <laughs> oh, that's super cool. Yeah, you my final thoughts on boys and they'll be in it. There you go. Uh, my 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 final thoughts on Shepard is that he's a badass. That he's amazing. I think everybody should go follow his IMDb and check out some of his movie uh, performances that are just next level. Read Patty Smith's autobiography. There's some great thoughts on him. Uh, read. Cowboy Listen to Patty Smith music. 
listen to Patti Smith music. <laughs> I, gosh, I because, you know, like, I'm a deep Patti Smith stan. Uh, I could talk Patti Smith all day. Maybe we'll do a Patti Smith pod. She does. Oh, she's just she, totally unique human being. God, she's a totally great. unique artist, um, and I love it. And the mother of pop. I mean, excuse me, punk. The mother of punk. And just one of the greatest uh, things to ever happen ever uh, to this earth. Um, and Sam Shepard is is that to me as well. And um, he's one of the reasons why I want to be a director. You know, Cowboy Mouth really proved to me with all my pitfalls, my mistakes and everything. It, 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 it proved to me that I, I can do it and want to do it. And it was he's a he's a definitely a a. a inspiration for my entire career love him he's definitely in my top you know playwrights so love him to death uh but let's um do my favorite part of the podcast bailey loves ranking shit that's right i do love ranking shit this is what's up we're gonna rank these four plays now i'm gonna go first because why the fuck not you ready yes yes i have a feeling we're all gonna do the same uh bottom one god of hell Mm mm-hmm Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, my next one. This was hard for me, guys. Yeah. This feels like killing a darling. Number three, True West. Number two, Buried Child. Number one, Alive of the Mind. Nice. nice. I love. Uh-huh. I love them all. You yeah. can't. I mean, yeah. especially those top three. I just there's. They're so hard to compare, but if when I have to do it, and the Bailey criteria is very specific, folks. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's get not. another stinger. Your face Bailey criteria. <laughs> it's not specific at all. It's literally <laughs> like, uh, that one was fun this time. Um, so let's... yeah, next week next week it'll change. Wasn't yeah, there it one? Change. Wasn't there one in the middle of the season where we went to do it, and then you went to list them, and you listed them differently? What was that? Oh, I, I something it might have been Sarah Kane. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was one recently where I or no, it was in the curtain call. It was when I listed oh, right. my playwrights and then I went, that's wrong. And like had to do a whole new version yeah. of it. Yeah. That's funny. Um all right. All right, CJ. Uh God of Hell is number four. Yeah. Three is Buried Child. Okay. Two is True West. Yeah. And one is Live Mind. And you would put Buried Child there because you weren't you 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 were preferring his naturalism, his realism, a little less of the absurdity, right? Honestly, I it it wasn't it wasn't that necessarily. I just really, really like True West and Lie of the Mind yeah. a little bit more. A buried child was my intro into Shepherd, but sure. um, those two, I was like, "God damn right, that's even better than Buried Child." Yeah. So, mm. yeah, it's hard, hard, hard comparison. Um, all right, Scotty. All right, well, uh, so here's the correct rankings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, God of Hell. Um, oof. Ah, now I'm yeah. fucking second guessing myself. See. Lie of the Mind, Buried Child, True West. Today. Ooh. That's today. Today. And today. that's today. And I, I think that. if I if I would have seen if had I seen a production of Lie of the Mind, it might have changed. But it's interesting because I don't uh are we gonna do our dream roles and shit? Yeah. Okay. Um There's a stinger that. for that, Scott. Dream roles. So Lie of the Mind is the one I want to direct. I yeah. just I'm like, as like I want to yeah. I want to tear this apart. I want to work with all these. Plus, it's a fuller cast and all that. Agreed. Um, 
True West I want to do and play we we should we should do it Bailey and then switch roles. We could easily play Brian. Yo, I want to play Austin. Okay. We and if Austin. we do if we do the performance, I want to do Austin and you do Lee. No, we do like John C. Riley and Philip Seymour Hoffman and we trade back and forth. They trade uh, back and forth. Not every what? night. Yes. When when Philip Seymour Hoffman and John C. Riley did it, they changed. They would do like a week. John C. Riley, friend of the pod. And, and Philip, Philip Seymour, Seymour Hoffman, Hoffman, the greatest actor of all time. Keep, keep going. Yeah, they did it and, <laughs> and they would switch. They would they would switch. Like they wouldn't switch back and forth altering performances. They would do like, they would do a week and they would switch in my pants. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. So that's wow. what we're gonna that's what we're doing, Bailey. Congratulations. We're gonna do that. Yeah, um, I really want to do that. I can't I don't it's one of those things I want to do so bad that I don't care if it falls flat on its No, we'll just do it. We'll just learn it and do it and anyone can come if they don't come fine. We're gonna do <laughs> it. We're I just wanted to say that I'm fucking pissed off that you said that because that was my idea because I want to play Lee and Austin and I want to switch every night. Well, how about I, I we do John C. Riley? My idea. John C. Riley and Philip Seymour Hoffman took it several years ago. What if all three of us did it and we do a rotation? There we and go. Where we all just the know the show. Yeah, we I all just know the show off. so well that we can all play all four parts. Um, nobody steal that idea. Uh, is that all your dream roles, Scott? Oh, uh, no. So my dream would be to direct Lie of the Mind. And yep. then, yeah, I would. Um, True West. And then I would I would love to do Tilden in Barry Ooh. Child. But it's yeah, a, I want to play Tilden. Uh, um, but Barry Child is the one I just kind of don't mind being an audience member for. Sure. Mm-hmm. And absorbing it and watching yeah. and trying to take it apart and figure it out. I would love to play Tilden. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would love to play um, Frankie in this decade of my life in um, Lie of the Mind. Mm-hmm. And I would love to play Baylor in like the next decade of my life or two uh, decades yes, from now. Yes, yes. Um, uh, those are the two that I'm like really obsessed with in Lie of the Mind. And then, uh, uh, oh, I could play Mike too, probably. Um, and then um, uh, I also wouldn't hate tackling um, Dodge one day. Mm. Yeah, and, Barry Ch- and then Austin and Lee, either one. That's great. I would love to play either one. That's fucking great. But Dodge would be really fun, like in my you know sixties or something. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. CJ, dream. Yeah. Lee, Lee and Austin. I love them both. Yeah. And then um, for Lie of the Mind, give me Sally now, and then mm. Lorraine in twenty years. There yeah. you go. I yeah. kind of want to play. I want to. I want to play Baylor, but I also kind of want to play Lorraine. Like, I, do it, sure. man. You know what I mean? Let's do a gender swap of Lie of the Mind. Yeah, right. that'd be interesting actually we because just it a, is so. Yeah, let's get a crew together and just read that. That'd be fun. Just because I would we'll do it like we did with Vici. Let's do it like we did with Vici. That's fun. Um, <laughs> cool. Hey, just real quick, <laughs> I, I didn't go digging into this, but have has there ever been an all female True West? Has anybody probably probably? I mean, there's so many 99 seat theaters that live for doing shit like that. Yeah, I just I just don't know of like any famous ones or. If he was weird about any of that, or well, I wondered if he might be weird yeah, about is, that. Is it like Beckett I and Goodell? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he would have been. Maybe. He's, Alexa, there's been some particularities in. I know, like that he. Well, that was early on, though. Like Steppenwolf, kind of he got special. So, 
the first New York production of True West, we didn't talk about this, was fucking Tommy Lee Jones uh, as Austin and Peter Boyle as Lee. And apparently it was a disaster. Oh, no. By, <laughs> and, and and like Shepard was like, fuck this, like literally got on the phone and said, I disavow this. Like, whoa. And, and so when it came back a few years later with Sinise, who also directed, he was played Austin and directed it as well, um, which blows coach. my fucking mind. Like, I just would never have had the co- mental capacity to deal with that. Oh, all right, y'all. I'm, I'm going to post the link to this theater mania um, article. Mm-hmm. It's called The Wrong Stuff. Sam Shepard's agent demands closing of all female True West. Oh wow! Okay, this was in two thousand four. Okay, okay, and I haven't read it obviously. Um, but it was Indigo Indigo Productions. I was about to say Indiegogo Indigo (laughs) Productions revival of Sam Shepard's True West, which features women in the two leading roles of siblings. Um, has been ordered closed immediately by Shepard's agent Judy Bowles. Uh, directed by Thomas Waits. Uh, yeah, y'all should check this out. It seems like um, they were pretty upset with it. It's against the law to change a living writer's intentions, says Bowles. Ooh. So, yeah. Um, oh, oh. They're advertising the production as, this is a quote from Bowles, they're advertising the production as, you've seen the brothers, now see the sisters. Yeah, I have a feeling maybe they found out something about it wasn't, uh, great quality maybe based on this but it's still sexist because i don't i don't i mean my thing too and this is just the way because i've played so many roles that are supposed to be for men or whatever and i'm never like i'm gonna do the girl version of this i just do it well gender's a construct so there's that and then also the fact that it's a societal construct but also the fact that like you know there's there's stuff like um Edward Albee getting upset that he found out there was an all-male production of Who's Afraid, uh, who's afraid because he's like, that's not what it's about. Like, mm. it's not about, like, men. It's, like, specifically about women, so it's weird to do that. And and uh, there's other things like that. But, you know, I don't know that I necessarily understand, like, the Godot thing. I'm like, who cares? That can be anybody. But in the realm of the idea that you have to believe that gender is not an, is not a binary thing and mm-hmm. things like that, but that's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> is there anything else we want to say? Uh, okay. LA theater. Uh, is there anything LA theater that we can talk about? No, Dropping I LA I'll, ha- I'll have some stuff. Yeah, there's nothing. Week. Um, Okay, there's no LA theater stuff to talk about because you know, Watson, you watched it. You didn't watch it. Whatever. Uh, hopefully you <laughs> did. Um, thank you for joining us on our episode our second episode of our mini series this is going to end our mini series on sam shepherd fool mm-hmm. for pod the, Shep. the sam shep pod a pot of the mind a, a cast of the mind a pod of a pot of the cast true cast pod west cow pod mouth cast pod mouth buried pod cowboy buried <laughs> Podcast in B minor. <laughs> um, pod. Now, this is a, this is exciting. Our next topic next week is a Bailey pick. All right, mm-hmm. this is an mm stuff. All right, so <laughs> theater, theater and stuff next week. Now, I found out listening to the Travis uh, CJ interview a couple weeks ago that our very own CJ Merriman has never seen the movie The Birdcage. 
the Mike Nichols directed. Sorry. Robin Williams starring Nathan Lane, Robin Williams starring Birdcage. Now, the Birdcage is based on La Caja Fall, which is a French film, which then was made into a musical, which then was made into a movie called The Birdcage. We're going to watch The Birdcage and find the musical somehow. <laughs> I'm going to figure that out and send it to you guys. And we're going to watch that. And if you guys have the time, I might make you guys watch the uh, the old movie as well. And we're going to discuss the differences. The Birdcage versus Lacage. It's going to be super fun. Join us for that. I can't fucking wait. Uh, and then, that'll be a one-off episode. And then we'll come back for our epic miniseries with a guest who has not been confirmed yet. So I won't drop that yet. August fucking Wilson. Yeah, I'm really pumped about yep. that. It's our first playwright of color. We're going to go ham and dissect as many of his plays as we can because I've read them all and I fucking love them and I can't wait. And also we have now these movies that we can watch. Ma Rainey, go check it out. Fences, please go check it out. They're fucking phenomenal. Uh, yeah, August Wilson. <laughs> CJ. Um, hey, listen, we know that you're probably sitting at home screaming at us about yeah. Adnan and Hey and... Mm -hmm, um. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And, and other things and we want to hear we want to hear uh your opinion so follow us on instagram send us emails post on our pages yeah give us the dirt y'all mm -hmm. we want your hot takes hot takes uh big shout out to pamela quinn for her original song for this sam Thanks, shepherd pam. miniseries yes Thanks, um Matt. Big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for our theme song and our amazing stingers. Stingers. Yes. Um, thanks to uh, everybody for listening. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being a friend. All right, guys, we have another uh, Golden Girls trivia here for you. <laughs> Good times. Um, we love you all. Stay safe. I, that's all I got. Y'all yeah. got anything else? No. Throw just your trash don't get away. COVID. Throw your trash away. Um, Stop honking all the time. Yeah. See we love you. you. See you. In Goodbye. The hey. It's a hard knock. Mm -hmm. It's a hard knock. It's a hard knock. to say.